0: So hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the 2021 Olympic Review. It's now Wednesday, the 28th of July. We have had our very first day of Olympic finals, and I'm delighted to welcome to Rowing Chat again, the lovely Sarah. (laughs) Hello. Hi, thanks for having me. Well, what a day it has been.
1: And as an Australian, is your heart beating fast? It was an amazing day for the Australians. I think it really was for our, our four crews that medalled, um, you know, four finals, four medals for us. It, it, everything went as well as it could have gone. Two really different pictures. You know, we had the two fours who were definitely favourites um, and. All the pressure in the world on those crews. So I guess that pressure to perform and that expectation that that they believed and we believed they could achieve those outcomes. So there's obviously a lot that comes comes up with that and and ha- how you handle that pressure. Um, but then the quads, on the other hand, I think had two extraordinary races. We knew that that was really probably best best case scenario. I mean, you know, there was an Olympic silver medalist in Cam Girdleston in the men's quads, so there's certainly pedigree there and we've had um, men's quads make the podium at at recent olympic games so uh, we knew that that boat could could certainly return with a medal but i think that those two crews performed really well in what were really tough conditions by that stage of the regatta Let's roll
0: back to contextualise that in the summary of each of the races that we've watched and the the medals that have been awarded. So let's kick off with the Women's Double Skulls race. We ended up with a win for Romania over New Zealand and the Netherlands. How was that race?
1: I thought the Romanians were stunning. I mean, they were my tip coming in. They certainly haven't disappointed in any of the the lead-up races and their final today they just owned it from woe to go I mean it just looked like they had one target in mind and that was to win the gold medal and and at no point did that race look comfortable for them but they were a real show I think in just being completely driven on one outcome which they were able to achieve Um, and a great result I thought for the Kiwis that new combination I mean I thought, oh, is this risky, changing your world championship winning combination coming in? But, um, I, look, I don't know that anyone could have could have beaten those Romanians and I, and I thought the Kiwi boat did a really good job to pick up the silver and, um, and the Dutch had a great road to take the bronze.
0: I think this is one of those moments where the fact that we've had a gap and we haven't had a world championships last year and the disruptions in training just really show that, you know, the poor people who did the seeding for the regatta had so little information to go on. You know, I, it it was an impossible task. And, you know, everyone said, well, why do you change a winning combination? Well, we don't know, but there was
1: clearly good reason. And I think it's been vindicated in the New Zealand case. Absolutely. No, um, Hannah Osborne and and uh, Brooke Donoghue did a fantastic job and, and had a great race, like I said, to take the silver medal. I thought that they... They performed exceptionally well. Let's move on to the men's doubles. So here we saw a win
0: for France over the Netherlands and then China in third place. Now, this was probably
1: the closest race of the day. It was unbelievable, wasn't it? I mean, I was watching China there in the third quarter because they looked like they were out of it. They were sort of dropping back to fourth, and I thought, oh, my gosh, what an upset this will be for them to not make the podium. But then it was like they found another gear got themselves back into medal contention. Um, but the composure of the French, I mean, the Dutch went out and I thought, oh, well, maybe I've made the wrong pick here with backing the French because uh, a, a few of my colleagues had, had backed the Dutch to to take out the gold medal. Uh, but the composure of that French crew and I think I was listening to Martin Cross's commentary and he said they were just a masterclass in Terms of um, technique and, and how to row a double, and as you watched the pictures of them, particularly the slow mo pictures afterwards, I mean, it was it was faultless. They were absolutely dominant, and it was great to see uh, see them take that win. I felt for the Dutch because they led for a big chunk of the race, but yeah, a very measured, very controlled, and well deserved uh, win to the French men's double.
0: Yeah, the way that the lead changed hands in the Red Boys in the last 250, I mean, that is real mental, as you said, the word composure is right, but you know that it can't have felt composed to the people in the boats. They went, they went again, and it was 0.2
1: of a second on the line. That's amazing, isn't it? Uh, Yeah, and it's funny when you talk about composure because this is always the thing at the Olympics, right, is for the for the non-rowing people who become rowing aficionados for, yes. for 14 days every four years. Um, they go, but the rowing looks so easy. Like you're all in time and it looks fine and then you cross the line and you're falling out of the boat and they're like, is that a bit of a put on, and, you know, because you find one stroke and then you're not the next. So it is sort of a real issue with rowing that it just doesn't look... Um, look as as hard as it, as it obviously is. I did see a great um, uh, thing on Instagram that said just for context, in every Olympic event, there should be a normal person, like a non-athlete, doing the same exercise just to contextualise what it is that you're seeing on screen. And I think that would be really good with Rowan. <laughs> I definitely think
0: so. I was thinking something similar watching some of the action in the pool the other day and thinking... If I was down in that empty lane, they'd have probably done one and three-quarter laps before I'd got to the end, you know. Absolutely. <laughs> Let's move on to the fours. Let's I, I so want to do the women's four first. I am so pleased that this event is back in the Olympic schedule. And of course, a
1: standout win for your girls. 61537. That was great. It was it was incredible. And I mean, they were favored to win. They were certainly one of our top boats and they had all the pressure on the world in them and obviously it was a big call to double up um annabelle and jess in the pair and the four and i'm sure we'll talk about that later but for the program to change the way it did and for them to find themselves with the four final and the pair semi coming up only three hours later um because they did look very composed, even in the, the last parts of the race, with the whole fleet, you know, coming down on them. Um, you sort of felt, oh, are they trying to hold something back for the for the pair? I don't think that would have been the case at all. Um, I think you race the race you're in, and um, and that certainly explains why what happened in the in the pair a bit later did happen. But um, to again, it was sort of like the the Kiwi double. The only returning member from the world champion crew in 2019 was Lucy Steffen in the bow seat. So a big call to do the double up and a big call to change three quarters of the crew, but it paid off and they won the gold and I, like you, i am so happy to see this event back in the program.
0: Big kudos to the Netherlands. They were 0.4 of a second behind Australia. And then, of course, the first ever Olympic medal for the Irish women's squad as well. I know there's going to be some major parties in that country tonight.
1: Oh, my gosh. Aren't the uh, Irish team just on fire, you know, more broadly? I know it was very disappointing um, to see the Irish men's double in the B final this morning after winning the silver in 2019. I think we expected to see them in the A final. And there's a lot of expectation across the the Irish team but when this crew burst onto the scene at the final Olympic qualifiers they popped up as a real medal prospect and I mean they just came through with it today and it was so wonderful to see such a class crew. I'm sorry if you can hear some noise around I have two miniature dash hounds who insist on fighting one another while I'm doing world cuts. Sorry everyone.
0: <laughs> I think we'll just add it on to that um, meme about the- things happening in the background in in Zooms. Don't worry about it. They sound lovely. We'll introduce them at the end. (laughs) Let's continue the story of Australia's extreme success today with the men straight four. Another win for the boys in green and
1: gold. It was amazing to see those guys come through. I mean, after the disappointment of the result in 2019, where, of course, um, they missed out on the podium after having been on the podium in 2017 and 2018 and not just on the podium in the middle of the podium more importantly so um, that was a huge knock uh, for those guys and obviously they've had two years to recalibrate we saw the crew largely returned to the world championship crew from 17 and 18 Um, and of course alex pernell coming into the bow seat um, uh, replacing josh hicks who was previously in that crew uh, but what a great race! And it, it, the men's ball really has been, I think, a, a, a tale of two nations, hasn't it? It's been Australia and Great Britain since 1992. Of course, the oh, awesome, awesome yeah. Australia, 92 and 96. The Brits taking it from 2000 um, till till now, and it it was all about those two crews. And sadly, um, the British crew unable to to get onto the podium today. But um, the the Aussie men, I thought was a really interesting way to race. I mean, boy, they came out in a commanding lead in that first thousand, obviously knowing how fast that second half of the race would be. But in the last 250, when the whole race came back on them and those three crews were there in a line, um, they were under immense pressure and managed to just hold their composure and and take that win. But it was all happening behind them in those last few hundred metres. There's nothing like a screaming tailwind for
0: really challenging the sort of race planning and the sort of responses that you are capable of delivering, you know, as the race develops around you. One of the things that I decided to go back and replay over the uh, race a second time was to try and work out what happened with the British nearly crashing into the Italians as they're coming up on the line. And it was quite clear that the, you know, it was Australia, Romania and Great Britain in a line. Australia slightly leading, but, you know, they're going into the last five hundred. And I spotted the Italians start to sprint. And I think it's well known that Italians can do crazy loopy high rates. You know, they do it. And so you see them start to sprint and then the tiny graphic comes up and it shows the speed of each of the boats. And it takes a while before that starts to translate into them closing the gap. So they were basically three lengths down at halfway. There was Australia who had a length on Great Britain, who had a length on Italy. And so, you know, mentally you write them off. And then as they were coming down towards the line and the Italians were closing, I had a really close look at what was going on in the British crew. And they were, they had steered too close to bowside. They were quite close to the bowside Ooh. boys. Whoever was steering oversteered away and pointed their bows basically towards the Italians in the adjacent lane on the other side. And so the the inevitability of you know making then a further correction you can't tell if one side's pushing harder than the other but it was really clear that they were horrified to see how close they were to the, hitting the italian boat who fortunately seemed not to miss a beat but i mean it's a hideous disappointment to a crew but it just goes to show that there is so much that goes on and can go on and may or may not eventuate that I don't even know that I've ever even heard of a crash in an Olympic final before. Have you ever heard of a crash?
1: Uh, not in an Olympic final. and I mean, I've heard of it and seen it happening in the earlier rounds of, of, of blades um, clashing and, um, and I've almost done exactly the same thing at a world championship final in the women's pair in 2007. So I empathise with the situation um, but certainly not in an Olympic final have I seen something quite like that before. It was extraordinary, and that's that's what I thought had happened. That there was a, a drift to bow side, then an overcorrection. But I mean, if the British hadn't have stopped, they would have they would have hit the Italians. It was it was quite dramatic, and I, they just avoided um, a major shipwreck. And I, I was asking someone today. I don't even know what would happen in that case. Would they have to do a re-row, or or would I I don't
0: know. Well, I put it out on Twitter, and the lovely Chris Anton, who is an umpire, FISA umpire, replied. And I said, you know, what what would have happened if the Italians had protested? Because you know, when the margin was five five forty three point one three and five forty three point six, you know, that's the difference between Romania and Italy. You know, reasonably if they hadn't have missed half a beat because of a crew coming at them. And he said, it's very straightforward. You know, if they, any crew can protest a result and it gets investigated. And if, you know, it was found that, you know, the the result that they'd been impeded in some way and that a change could have happened to the result, you know, then it's up to the umpires to decide. Clearly they didn't appeal it, but... You know, it, a re-row of an Olympic final would just be horrific.
1: I mean, oh gosh, I could not even imagine such a circumstance, you know, and, and the way that the Aussies raced as well. Um, would you get away with that twice? I, I really don't know. But um, luckily it didn't, it didn't come to that. And um, and the Italians had a spare on board as well, which kind of makes That's their bonds silly. even more extraordinary. And
0: I looked at my notes just now. They were rating 44 at 1,500 (laughs) metres. Can't say I've ever done that in my life. (laughs) Right, let's move on to the quads. Firstly, we got the men's quad. Um, Again, a really eventful race, but the result was Netherlands beating Great Britain into silver with Australia
1: in a bronze. It was amazing. I I think the Dutch were certainly the crew um, that everyone was, was tipping. You know, we thought... It would ha- it would take a major mishap and well to be honest we almost saw some today uh, the the Dutch caught a, a little bit of water off the start uh, but managed to compose themselves um, the Australians caught a bit of a crab there which I thought was going to be enough to put them out of it but luckily they managed to sort of recompose themselves um, and then of course the Italians uh, catching a massive boat stopper I we didn't get it on camera for our broadcast. I'm not sure if you did, but I heard that it was sort of riggers under the water and, and really, really bad. So um, you feel for those crews that, that suffered really serious mishaps today, and there were a few. Yeah. I managed
0: to get a screenshot of the crab um, just off the television. Um, I'll see if I can pull it up full screen. But it, it was just a genuine, massive, oh, my God, hideousness um, it was the three man. So here we go. I'll just uh show you what the picture looked like. Um that's what it looked like. And you can just see the three guy, his his he I think he must have feathered on water. Um and it's just a total lurch down to the stroke side. He's looking, the others aren't because you know they're not expecting it, but he could probably feel it was happening. And mm. Their bows just disappeared out of the race, as Martin Cross called it. So, like, oh, what's happened to the Italians? And sadly, of course, they didn't really recover, which is a tragedy, really, because they were right up there in the boat race.
1: Yeah, it was it was really tough to see that, but Australia snuck in there for bronze, so I'm not complaining too much. <laughs> but I thought that um, I thought the boys did a really good job, and this is you know this is part of it, right? Like you think back to 2011, where the Germans crabbed right on the line in Slovenia in the men's quad and and Australia won the world championship so you know this is this is part of the sport and part of rowing and um I, I was really impressed with I think the composure of the Dutch to to come back from from a little you know that that could have knocked them off completely for the entire race but it didn't they got themselves back in the groove same with the Aussie boys when they had their bit of a uh, catch of the water, um, I thought that they did a great job to, to stay composed and, and keep moving. And of all of the boat classes, those sorts of events, uh, sorry, that, those sorts of conditions, I think the most difficult boat is the quad in my view because it's so fast moving and those little blades and the precision that's needed, I, I really think that in my view that that's the hardest boat to row in conditions like that. So the crews that, that ended up getting there I think did a great job.
0: Of course, we then followed with the women's quads with again an Australian bronze medal behind Poland and silver and China. What a barnstorming win for China.
1: 6.05 compared to 6.11 for silver. Unbelievable. I mean, the Chinese were the hot favourites, world champions in, in 2019, the first Chinese crew to win at Henley Royal Regatta that year as well. So they've just been such a dominant crew, coached by Australian Paul Thompson. So, you know, just yeah, take a yeah, little, little bit it. It, credit for that. <laughs> um, but they have been such a dominant crew. I would have been truly surprised to have seen anyone challenge them. Um, but to see, um, yeah, the, the Aussies I thought were just... That just blew my mind. We've we've had um, a group on Messenger of all of the Australian women who we can get in touch with who've rode in the women's quad at a, at a senior level at a World Championship or Olympic Games, and so we've been following the quad and doing group calls during their races and sending them messages of support. So it's been really lovely because this was really an underdog crew. They were pretty much the bottom-ranked women's crew selected. They went to final Olympic qualification, which they yeah. won. They didn't look, you know, great after their heat, but they through the re-charge they just got better and better and better down the track. And I thought, you know, making the A final is such a great achievement for these girls and if they could sneak in for fourth or fifth, I thought it would have been a great outcome. But um, for them to get on the podium is just extraordinary. There's a couple of really young athletes in there who we're going to see a lot more of. Um, particularly Rhea Thompson and Harriet Hudson, um, possibly still under 23, even. So, um, some really talented um, uh, young athletes, all debutantes at this Olympic Games. So, fantastic to see. And I was just probably of all of the results, that was the one I was most delighted for for those girls. Well, thank you for all the support of your wonderful. Can we call you the quadettes? <laughs> yeah, that's good. <laughs>
0: Let's go on to talk about the uh, semi finals and the pair. So, the regatta schedule got reorganized. I noticed very subtly that up till now, every event they've raced the women first and then the men second. And uh, World Rowing have quietly reversed that. So, actually, the men's quad raced before the women's quad. And then throughout these semis and the later reps, they all did the men first. I'm guessing that was to enable the Australian women's pair to maximise their rest and recovery? Or do you think I'm just think, being No, soft? I think
1: the same thing happened the other day with the Kiwis with the pair and the eight. I think they reversed the eights that mm-hmm. day as well. So I think that there was a precedent for mm-hmm. that happening with because they must be the only two crews doubling up at this regard of the Kiwis in the eight and the and the Aussies in the four. So that wouldn't be that wouldn't surprise me if that was was deliberate um for that purpose. And I would think the schedule being markedly changed would be grounds to, to request something like that um, in both cases um, but again i guess it's something that you have to expect i mean we're an outdoor sport it's not unprecedented for racing to get postponed cancelled compressed you know we've got plenty of examples of it happening in the past so um, it, it is always a risk and um, today unfortunately for the australians it was a risk that that didn't pay off um, for our women's pair they have been blindingly fast here in Australia. I mean, just their, their prognostics at our simulation regattas have been easily top of the team. They've they've been incredibly, incredibly fast. Um, but it's clear that in a semi final like that, you know, people are racing for their lives, and that Greek performance was just unbelievable. I mean. I saw a shot at fifteen hundred, and I thought, "How how do you come from I don't know three or four lengths down to to winning in five hundred meters? It was it was quite extraordinary, and clear that that the Aussie girls just didn't have the legs to be able to to get through. Yeah, I also thought that you know the
0: luck of the draw. There is a there's a structure to how events are drawn, but basically New Zealand. And Australia were always going to be in separate semi-finals because they both won their heats. And it just worked out that all of the tight racing was in one heat because, you know, Greece, yes, let's call them a wild card, but a very impressive performance and not to take anything away from them. But, you know, Great Britain and Canada, total Mm. pedigree crews, whereas we've never seen the Russian crew or the Spanish crew who were in the heat with the New Zealanders. We haven't seen them on podiums. In the last couple of years, and so New Zealand was able to easily dominate their semi-final. And you feel if Australia had been in the other heat, it might have been somewhat different.
1: Yeah, they they absolutely got the tough draw. I mean, if coming into this, if you're going to pick four crews that could go for the podium, it would be Canada, GB, Australia, and New Zealand. So to have three of those in one semi, um, it was always going to be tough. Um, and like like you said, the the Greeks were a total wild card and pulled out the race of their their lives so far um, to get into that A final. But it it shows you what that means. And and maybe they were cognizant of of the weakness that would exist with the Australians having raced only three hours beforehand. I'm I'm not sure if that played into their tactics and what they thought they might be able to achieve in the last quarter of the race. Um, but I mean, not to take anything away from Annabelle and Jess. I know they'll be gutted not to get through to the A final in the pair, but they're Olympic champions in the women's four and they're just extraordinary athletes. Let's
0: look at what's coming up for the rest of the regatta. There's a couple of really big rowing nations who have been somewhat whittled down. So you've already said today was Australia's big day and, you know, you've got um, the women's eight and you've got a men's eight, you know, to come later in the week. But looking at Great Britain... They've got a women's pair, women's eight, men's eight, and a women's single, but really they haven't shown much form yet on the medal podium, which is, I think, somewhat unusual. I mean, it seems fourth or fifth seems to have been their pattern for today.
1: Yeah, I think that that men's quad um, did a did a great job to get up for second. I I wouldn't have wouldn't have tipped a podium for that crew. Um, I think they had the capability to, but they hadn't shown the consistency too. So I thought that was an extraordinary um, row from the from the Brits to do that. And um, and don't forget the lightweight women's double, who I really think are showing themselves as as a possible chance um, to to even take it out. I think it's you know really looking like. The Dutch I'm and sure. the Brits are the are the two two to watch in that event. Um, but as we know, pending conditions, anything anything could happen. But but the girls have certainly shown some form this season. Um, but yeah, look, I think um, the the British men's eight they're they're my tip for this regatta, and they've just seemed to be struggling to find that gear. And and in Lucerne they were so impressive. So I wonder if you know, with with one more race, they, they were better in the rep than than the heat, you know, will they get back to previous form? Um, I guess, you know, the, the Kiwis today were just so impressive in that men's eight. So I, I really think making the podium at this stage for Britain is, is going to be a really tough ask in that event. But, um, yeah, we're, we're maybe not seeing the dominance that we have expected from GB, but I guess in recent Olympics, certainly Rio and, and the way it's sort of shaping up here is that we're seeing a much wider spread in nations that are winning gold medals and winning medals. So um, rather than particular nations sort of absolutely dominating, we're, we're tending to see more of a spread across world rowing, which as much as I'd love to say the Aussies win everything, um, is I think is actually really cool to, to see a, a big variety um, of countries performing well and performing strongly. And that that's what you want because that makes it all that more meaningful um, to know that you truly are the best in the world. I, I would certainly echo that. And so looking ahead, uh, we've got some
0: really strong races coming for America and Canada in the pairs and the eights, and America's also in the lightweight women's doubles event. Um, and I, I think that you know the Netherlands has also been a, a you know a squad that has come to this regatta with finals-capable crews almost across the board. And the thing about the Dutch is they pull it out of the bag in the Olympic year. And, you know, it is a little bit of a joke that they can only hold it together and not have so many arguments. But either way, I've been fantastically impressed with how prepared they have been as a whole squad.
1: Absolutely. The Dutch were kind of the standouts today. I mean, they didn't have... Have maybe as many gold medals as they'd hoped to convert, but uh, you know they medaled in the women's double, then they medaled in the men's double, and very narrowly missed out. They won the men's quad, um, they nothing got one in the more. women's quad. They got one in the um, the women's four, so four four medals on on mm-hmm. day one. Um, it's and, and a couple of those really could have been gold medals. You know on another day so um the dutch squad yeah i don't know they have this magic where it's like olympic games time it all just comes together and we always used to say that when we race them you just you would never write the dutch off in an olympic year and i think this year has been particularly strong for them i've been doing a little
0: personal tot up of the medals table and of course australia is leading with um two golds and two bronzes but behind them is the netherlands with a gold two silvers and a bronze uh my count for third is romania uh, with a gold and a silver, uh, then France, um, who've got one gold. I think golds outcount everybody else. This is this is my personal <laughs> scoring system, so I'm allowed to do this. But I will tell you that there was an absolutely delightful sh- uh, image share of the um, Australian Breakfast Show, where they did the uh, medal count, and it went one, two, three, four, six. Because Australia was sick and then when you expanded it the missing country so this is across the whole games the missing yeah. country was Great Britain
1: of course <laughs> we don't need to report on them just hide it exactly exactly we're going up in, going up in uh, in even numbers for that particular count obviously. <laughs>
0: I think a partisan media is something that you just have to accept when it comes to sporting events. Totally. <laughs> Sarah, it's been a delight. Thank you so much for joining us, for your expertise and your insight. Go on, pick up one of those puppies. Let's have a look at
1: how goes, gorgeous here. they are. Here we go. i got one. I got one for you. This is Banjo, everyone banjo you look gorgeous no you clearly you, he's he's not screen ready you'll have to train <laughs> no, him. no 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 they're, they're very photogenic though so uh, yeah i'll have to post post some more things on instagram of them
0: <laughs> thank you so much for your time and to all of our listeners join us again tomorrow where we'll be doing a review of the thursday medals and again on friday you're going to be delighted with who my special guest is till next time bye-bye